All right, welcome back and welcome in the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. Ben Mandel and Corey Jason with me tonight. I'm Ryan Bally. It's October 10th, this Tuesday evening, week five in the books. About that quarter mark through the season. Obviously, that 17th game, that throws the math off a little bit, but everything's starting to fall into place here. Uh, if you checked out our power rankings, was it last week? I believe all six of us had the same, or four out of six of us, I think, had the same 10 teams. The and weirdos I, that didn't. Yeah, I was one of them. Ben here was one of them. So we'll see I what the they Texans like in year. there. <laughs> TJ Stroud supremacy. Yeah, I was starting with fantasy. I was trying to get some good juju. No, you didn't get uh, quite enough, but try again next week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, CJ Stroud, he's been awesome through this early portion of the season. Maybe not for fantasy, but certainly for real life. But it's another AFC South team that we are here to talk about. We're gathered here today. Oh, Ryan, favorite you're... segment. My, I mean, this was supposed to be just an extravaganza, but the Anthony Richardson news brings it down a little bit. So we're going to get the bat out of the way. Another injury, an AC joint shoulder sprain, I think it was. He might go on IR, might not, but at least we have Minshew Mania to fall back on. Undefeated as the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Well, I do want to throw out there an AC injury. the An injury to the joint is definitely better. Looks like we did lose Corey. I was hanging out, uh, holding out hope that he would unfreeze there. Um, but an AC joint, it's definitely like it's it's uncomfortable but it's like a bruised shoulder essentially you can recover from that much easier than let's say tearing something if he tore a labrum he tore a rotator cuff he's done for the year so IRing him wouldn't be the worst idea let him get the shoulder ready it's not like you're expecting to make the playoffs in a loaded AFC this year yeah let Gardner Minshew play a little bit let the other guys continue to develop and then let Richardson come back when he's ready to go yeah absolutely I hope we learned our lesson. Let's not rush the quarterback back from injury, but we definitely avoided worst case scenario with the shoulder injury to Richardson. We got best case scenario with Jonathan Taylor, my favorite current Colts player. He's back for the foreseeable future. Worked him in slowly. It was the Zach Moss game, almost 200 yards of scrimmage as they just dominated the Titans on both lines of scrimmage in that win. But then Minshew Mania returns home this upcoming week. The land of, of shadows for the Colts down in Duval County. We cannot win there, so we'll see how that goes. We'll talk about that game later. But, yeah, it looks like we did lose Corey. We're having some connection issues, some network issues. We're hoping he's going to make it through. It almost ended up just being bad because my <laughs> mine actually froze too during the pre-show. But we're going to kick it old school. This show started with Ben and I just talking sports at the end of the regular season last year, so... Yeah, we're kicking it old school here. We're going to talk about uh, what do we think of Green Bay through the early portion of Jordan Love's starting career, uh, what the NFC hierarchy altogether looks like. Then we'll go through our outsiders and our game previews for week six. So if you're a fan of the show, show your support. Follow us on Spotify. If you're watching us over on YouTube and you got to see those flames actually finally engulf Corey, he's he's gone. He's in his own hell <laughs> hellish landscape now. He needs uh, we, a giant win to freeze it over. Well, uh, his words. His words. <laughs> I hope he's not holding his breath six feet underground. Conserve your oxygen, yeah. Corey. We're coming. We're we're trying to help you, buddy. We're gonna have this finish with an in memoriam thing for Corey. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
We'll try and do right by him. In loving memory. <laughs> in loving memory. He made it a month. We'll see if he pops back in. He might try to rejoin. He might. He did restart it. It seemed okay at first, but yeah. in the meantime, let's carry on. The Jordan Love era, off to a less than stellar start. Obviously, when you go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, Lightning sh- already struck twice with Favre and Rodgers. Odds are it wasn't going to strike a third time for Love. I'll say this in his defense right now. Aaron Rodgers, starting in 2008, didn't look fantastic then. It kind of got he kind of got hot. He turned it on. It took him two years. Yeah. So, and he it was the same thing. Rodgers drafted in 2005, I believe. Mm-hmm. 2005. So uh, it, was, it was the Alex Smith draft. Yeah. Five or six. I'm pretty sure it was 2005. So, he sat a few years just as Jordan Love has. So, mm-hmm. you almost forget. Like, Jordan Love has the same amount of starts as, like, C.J. Stroud, Desmond Ritter. These guys drafted two, three years after him. But they had a, a blowout win over Chicago. Green Bay still owns Chicago in week one. Stole another win against the Saints. That was a big comeback win. And then some disappointing losses in between there. So Green Bay, after the first few years, very successful with LaFleur as head coach and Rodgers, obviously playoff appearances, championship game appearances. I think nine excuse me, total losses in the first three years, something like that. They were like 13 and three, 13 and four, 14 and three. But now last year and this year, is it the youth movement across the board for the Packers roster? How much of it is on Jordan Love? Just kind of your general take on it. Well, I'm going to, I hate to be this guy because I'm going to walk the line a bit. And in week one, after they destroyed the Bears, week two, week three, you know, everyone's sitting here singing Jordan Love's praises, saying, oh, the Packers did it, including Dylan Mel, who, you know, he was saying after week one, the Packers have done it. They have found their guy. They are going to do it from Favre to Rodgers to Love. And I just wasn't buying it yet. And now I'm not ready to write the guy off yet after five games. Uh, you know, He's definitely not someone who I'm confident in, and Matt LaFleur clearly isn't either. He didn't trust him to air the ball out against a, in my opinion, weak Raiders secondary. I mean, the Raiders secondary is not very good. I think Max Crosby completely took that game over last night, though, and he shows that he is one of the more underrated pass rushers in the NFL. I think he's a top-five pass rusher. He has been fantastic the last few years. And, you know, it's nice to see him get to show out in prime time against, you know, a Green Bay, a big football market, I guess you could say, a team that, you know, everybody knows and watches. But when you, you know, you talk about do, like, what do you make of Jordan Love? I do think he can be an NFL quarterback. I think, you know, you've seen sparks. You've definitely seen some promising moments from him. It's just... He's not there yet. You can't say the Packers are going to win this division. He simply isn't there yet. Right now, it's Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff's division, and, and I never thought I would be saying that it, that those two quarterbacks were the top two in a division, and they are. Yeah, that Monday night football matchup, I Love gets the ball back late in the game, chance to go take the lead, and I said out loud to some of the guys I was watching it with, Jordan Love legacy drive incoming, and then the interception to seal it. But that, that wasn't even well. Jordan Love's fault as much, right? You're throwing yeah. the ball up for your 6'4 wide receiver who gets out-jumped by a 5'9 corner. And that's why you saw Watson. 
you saw Watson beating himself up on the sideline because he knows he didn't even try to make a play. And, I mean, he at the very least should have been able to swat that ball. The reason why Jordan Love threw it was because he didn't think there was a chance it was going to get intercepted with Watson and his height difference. On uh, I, I'm sorry to the cornerback's name. I forget his name, but he's 5'9". So Robertson, I believe? Yeah, Robertson. Yeah, Watson definitely could have helped his quarterback out there, but Green Bay could use a star wide receiver like Devontae Adams to help this. I mean, you, you saw you saw what he did for the Raiders last night, though. You you really almost have to believe you have to treat Jordan Love like a rookie quarterback. Like he had one start prior to this season. So you can't treat him like a you know, you would think Jalen Hurts has been you know, Tua, yeah. Herbert, Burrow, those other quarterbacks in that class, he hasn't had the starting action, even though he's been around. Rodgers also definitely maybe sabotaged his development because Rodgers did not want him around at all. Yeah, I mean, if if that was the case, loves they got to start sort of from scratch. So with Green Bay, you know, they were that perennial big-time player in the NFC, in that conference, with them clearly taking a step back. It was kind of clear last year, but certainly this year. Obviously, San Francisco and Philadelphia, the only two remaining undefeated teams this year. These were the two teams in the NFC Championship game last year, so no sort of layover from a late playoff push a season ago. But after that, after those two teams, Who's the next in line in this conference? Because we've seen Dallas kind of on both sides of it. They're blowing the bad teams out. Sorry, guys. And then dropping games to what you would expect to be a bad team like Arizona and then decimated by San Francisco. So where does Dallas sort of fall into the picture? And then you have teams like Detroit, Tampa Bay, Seattle, all with pretty good records. What does this hierarchy right now in the NFC look like to you guys? So I think you have to take San Fran. You they're they're in a tier of their own, right? Nobody touches them. And then you skip a layer because nobody comes close. Then you go Detroit and Philly, both severely flawed teams, but those are teams that can compete. And then you go with basically like the Dallas, the Seattle's, the Tampa's, the teams that'll make the playoffs but won't make any noise. It's a one-team league in the NFC right now. You know, I, I, I just – no other team can come close to what San Fran can do. I, see, I, I don't know if you can write the Eagles out of that category after not too long ago, we saw the Eagles completely decimate the 49ers in the playoffs. And Last yeah, year, you know what? Year, different. No, but you know what? That Eagles offense, that rolled the 49ers defense. And that 49er offense, I understand Brock Purdy got hurt, but even when Brock Purdy was in the game, I understand it was only one series. It was a bad series. The Eagles were able to get after him. I still think that the Eagles are a very strong team, and they're still putting it together. I think, you know, part of what makes the Eagles so scary to me is that they clearly aren't playing to the best of their ability and that they will get better. And you see the spurts like AJ Brown, all of a sudden is coming to life. And that is scary. Like you don't want to see that guy wake up, especially with all the weapons they have, you know, the Eagles are certainly, certainly 
in the top tier. I think that this is a San Francisco Philadelphia Eagles conference this year. I think that those two are on top. And then you have, I, I see, I don't think that you can put Detroit up in that contender, you know, category, you know, with Philadelphia just yet, because, you know, you, you look at Detroit and they, they haven't proven it yet. You know, have Detroit go out there and win, win back to back Thanksgiving day games. <laughs> Like, come on, Detroit has to do more. You have to get more out of, um, you know, some of those other younger teams. But that's the thing. Last year's teams in the NFC were all frauds. Like, you I have don't the think Niners it's fair to take last year and use that as a basis at all for this year. Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts is, is one of the least efficient quarterbacks in the league. Their offense has taken a step back. Now they have the chance to get back to where they were. But – if we're looking at it how it is right now, they're not there, and I don't think it's fair to anybody to anybody else to say, yeah, we expect Philly to be good like this. Well, no, but at the same time, you turn around, you see Philadelphia. It's not they're still undefeated. It's not like right, you can't one penalize score, Philly. one score you, games. They're everywhere. winning. They're, they're yeah, like the Vikings of last year with every game being a one score game. Eventually, you're going to end up losing those if you don't change. All right, the Giants were in the same, same boat last year, winning yes. only one score games. Like, but that's the Eagles. It's not like you, you're not getting more points. You don't get more savvy for blowing teams out. No, but you they're not the, as dominant you know, as they were last year. Yeah, exactly. The they're not as are. dominant. The are more dominant. The, so I the just Eagles don't think it's fair to put them in the same tier. I I think it's not fair to not put them in the same tier and to discount done anything to what Philadelphia has done. That they can be the same team as they were last year. No, but the you saw these two teams beyond. play each other. You saw but that's these last teams year. Play we're talking this year. Yeah, this but when year. you look at yeah, but also you look at last year and four of those seven or five of those seven playoff teams are significantly not what they were last year. I think Seattle's the only other like playoff team along with San Fran and Philly who would still be there this year at maybe Dallas like but Dallas that's another one there it's a flawed team the NFC does yeah. not have a single contender but you have to put well, Philadelphia in there San with San Fran. Fran you can't you can't put Detroit in the San Fran Philly category yet I'm not I'm not putting Philly in the San Fran category no but Philly can't not be put in the San Fran category it's they haven't done anything to show that they the should division. be in that category this year there's, there's that next contenders for the there's contenders for the NFC championship and then there's the rest of the league. There is San Fran, contenders, good teams, everybody else. Just wait wait until Philadelphia has to get up and play a big game. But that's fine, but we're not there yet, so we can only go what we know now. And exactly, five, and Philadelphia is 5-0. Five, five weeks into the season, Philly is in here. 5-0. It doesn't matter. I decided with Ben on that. Philly and San Francisco are the top two in the NFC. Yes, Where I'm not I, arguing that. I'm just saying that they're not in. They're not equals. I, they're closer than you appear to think. You can't discount, and you can't sit there and say Philadelphia is not an elite team and a Super Bowl contender. I'm not you saying don't that win five not. games by accident. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm just saying. All right, then they're in the top tier. They're the second tier. Contender. They're elite. I'm putting them by themselves. Then it is. It is San Fran, then Philly then Detroit, then everybody else then. I'll take Detroit out of it, but you cannot, for the same reason you're saying Detroit cannot be with Philly, Philly cannot be with San Fran. Philly has a track record. Are you kidding track me? Track record Detroit doesn't does matter. Not. Yes, this it does. How matters. can you say? How because can you say this year, players matter. change. Coaches change. 
The Philly defense what? isn't anywhere near as dominant as last year. You can't say last year's team is this year's team. They're not the same. Philly will get better. I truly believe that they will get better than they are now, but they've gotten lucky in a few games, and you just cannot look at Philly and look at San Fran and say, yeah, those two teams are the same. They're different. San Fran will Putting blow. them in the same category does not say that they're the same. And I will tell you right now, yeah, San Fran might have a better defense. I would take the Philadelphia offense over San Fran's. I That's would. Fair. That's fine. I would. And you know what? It's So to sit there and, and say that, oh, yeah, you know what? They're not the same. Just because they're not the same does not mean that they're not in the same category. And that category is elite Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I think Ben hit the nail right on the head there. I, I would take San Francisco in almost every facet over Philadelphia, but I would take Philadelphia in every facet basically over every other team. So putting them both in that contending category, I got to side with Ben on that. But where I kind of disagree then is, to me, it's San Francisco and Philly, upper tier, then Detroit's on their own. Detroit could very easily be undefeated as well right now. Their one loss thus far happened in overtime against Seattle. Make over the overtime rules what you want, Detroit offense never got on the field for that one. Seattle marched right down, scored a touchdown in the game. So, but uh, here's the other thing though, and I'm not again. You can't discount a team based off of who they've played, but I think this is part of how weak the NFC is because you look at Seattle, you look at Detroit. Yeah, these are good teams, but they shouldn't be elite. Like they they shouldn't be three and one, four and one. It's like looking at Minnesota and the Giants last year. These teams shouldn't have had this many wins and few losses at this point because the NFC as a whole is just weak. Really, really weak. It is weak, but I mean let's not they went in arrowhead. Defending Super Bowl champions and knocked off the Chiefs week one. Without Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes had Kadarius Tony giving the ball to Detroit. Still, I mean, Corey wants to throw out last year. Detroit finished very high last year and seemed to pick up right where they left off. That's why I think you can't just discount a previous year. Obviously, Minnesota, all those one-score games, you're right. They're going to come back to earth a little bit, and they have. The Giants, they came back to earth a little bit. But that's what they get for overperforming. Detroit didn't overperform to that extent. No, I think we're seeing what Detroit is. Well, Detroit, Detroit will be that next elite team. I th- they're not there yet, but I think that they can get there sooner than later. Agreed. Agreed. Detroit is is still on the upswing, and ultimately, Jared Goff's a placeholder. That's essentially Detroit is going to be on the upswing until they get their quarterback. Jared Goff's going to hold the place until they get their guy who's going to be the franchise quarterback to take them to a Super Bowl. But they're not there quite yet. I think Jared Goff with the NFC in the state that it's in, Geno Smith with the NFC in the state that it's in, is good enough to get you to a divisional game. But it's not good enough to beat Philadelphia. It's not good enough to beat San Francisco. And that's that's the bottom line at the end of the day. But I think the NFC is just extremely weak. I think the AFC is loaded. I think there are probably 10 teams in the NFC or in the AFC that would probably be playoff teams in the NFC if they were over there. Trying to figure out these 10 teams. Or he's in the math. You keep thinking about that. I want to pose this. If Detroit and Dallas were to face off, which I they might, what, they, what would you guys think about they, that? They do. They do. They should. So what would be your initial? I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to that game if they do play. But right, let's say they were to meet, you know, 
Detroit's, let's call them the four seed. Dallas is the five seed. They get as a wild card team. They're playing. At four field. They play week 17. All right, so that could have a lot of stakes then for seeding and whatnot. But what would be the early reaction to that matchup? Initial thoughts are that I actually think that, I mean, it depends who's home. If this is in Detroit, Dallas is home. I think, well, um, the regular season game, then, yeah, I think Dallas is going to win it. I think that da- the home team is going to win. I think that, you know, you both the home teams, but you you have Dallas's offense. They operate differently at home. I think that's another key contributor to their blowout loss against San Francisco. I think if that game is in Dallas, San Fran still wins, but it's not the way that it was. I think that, you know, Dallas's offense is talented enough to beat Detroit's defense. I don't think Detroit's defense is that good. It's good. But, I mean, Seattle did what it did. So, it's it's not like Detroit is, is unbeatable. And, yeah, they just blew out Carolina. Like, I'm not sitting here and, and making a big deal about that. But, you know, I think Dallas's defense is – would probably be the best that Detroit has seen all year. And, you know, Dallas's offense might even be better overall than what Detroit has seen in Kansas City and all the other teams, especially since Kelsey was hurt. But, you know, it it would certainly be an entertaining game. It wouldn't be a blowout. I think if it's in Detroit, I could very easily see Detroit blowing the doors off just with all that energy in the building for their first home playoff game in years. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on how both these teams play. Again, that's a week 17 matchup, very end of the season. Right now, I would even expect – I would still expect Dallas to be favored, but it to be almost a pick at this point. I think as you get closer, that it'll – I think it'll remain the same between one-and-a-half to two-and-a-half points spread in Dallas's favor because Detroit is still a good team. They're not Detroit of old. They are, you know – that next big thing. Dallas, they beat the Giants, the Jets, and the Patriots. That doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. They also lost to Arizona. San Fran is San Fran. That's in San Fran. I agree with Ben. Dallas operates differently at home. I don't think that loss is nearly as bad if it's in Jerry World. But that also does show that Dallas isn't anywhere near San Fran's level. Dallas is also missing a lot of key pieces. Trayvon Diggs, gone. Overshown gone. Their secondary is decimated. Leighton Vander Esch is going to miss a lot of time with that neck injury. They have issues. Micah Parsons does have chronic, not breathing issues, but if you watch Dallas games, he sits out more than you'd expect with heavy breathing. He exerts so much energy per play that he has to sit more than most defensive players, it seems, and he labors a lot. That's something that you really got to look out for. And he's banged up. Uh, have you seen some of the hits, even the Leighton Vander Esch one from the Sunday night game? Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> yeah, there you no, go. look, that's a Carson funny took a hit. So Dallas is banged up, and it's only getting worse for them. Their O line is banged up. It's just, I don't think Dallas will get their pieces back by the end of the year to be able to make a run. I think Detroit would probably win that game home or away but I think it'll be a very close game and a really fun one to watch. I think my early thought would be I'm taking Detroit all the way. I mean, you think they what they did to Carolina, obviously not nearly the level that Dallas is. Carolina is not anywhere near that level. 
absolutely took care of business. Just like we said, Dallas did against the Jets and, and Giants and Patriots. Mm-hmm. And they did that without Jameer Gibbs. I mean, if Jameer Gibbs was active, they probably would have done it anyway because they refused to use him. Well, with, that's what I was going to say. They did it without Jameer Gibbs. They've done it all without Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, <laughs> but they did it also without okay, Amon Ross St. Brown. And Jamison Williams is just coming back not only from a suspension, but I believe it was a hamstring injury that was nagging him as he went into yeah, the they, suspension. Yeah, they were easing Jamison, and he was he – was, so with Jamison, what I also saw, he was actually listed as questionable for the game, but they clearly stated it was not for an injury. He is still getting up to speed because he wasn't allowed near the facility until week four. Yeah, so Detroit has looked very impressive, and they've done that also to their credit far away from full speed uh, in their own right. But before we move uh, week five into the rear view mirror, we got to talk outsiders of the week. And if you thought that I wasn't going to talk about the Colts outside of Colt Report Weekly, you were wrong. Because my <laughs> outside of the week is not Quentin Nelson. It's not Zach Moss. It's Will Fries, a right guard on that offensive line, paving the way for Zach Moss to have nearly 200 yards rushing. And there was just one play I saw Will Fries blocking, like all-world defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons of the Titans with one arm. Just, I, I said it at the top. They controlled both lines of scrimmage, offensive and defensive. Will Fries, a lot of people would say he's probably the weak link on this offensive line that disappointed last year, but has looked much better this year. So I'm giving the man some props, Will Fries. Yeah, look, I'm going to go in the skill position direction. So Ryan taking the offensive lineman. I'm going to take the wide receiver, and it's going to be Adam Thielen. Now, Adam Thielen, this is a guy who, you know, was basically pushed out of Minnesota. Everyone knows his story, how he walked on to the Vikings roster pretty much. You know, he's 33 years old. I asked Ryan if he would be eligible for this, right? And he's like, yeah, he's just hanging outside the retirement home. Well, Look at what Adam Thielen not only did last week, but pretty much since week one. Week one, he only had two catches for 12 yards. But week two, seven catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown. Week three, 11 catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown. Week four, seven catches, 76 yards. Week five, last week against the Detroit Lions, and now most of this did come in garbage time, but 11 catches, 107 yards, another touchdown for Adam Thielen. The the old guy keeps kicking, showing he can still do it, and he's becoming really the favorite target for Bryce Young as he continues his development down there in Carolina. Much to the chagrin of us mango truthers. Thought mango is going to be it. Uh, I'm going to go with possibly the hardest position on the defense to play, D-back of the Jets, Bryce Hall, somebody who's kind of was in the doghouse to start the year. He was in healthy scratch, I believe, the first two weeks of the year, too. Somebody who started for the Jets for a bit and just kind of fell out of fame. But Bryce Hall, four tackles in a big fumble recovery touchdown at the end of that game. He's somebody that really deserves his flowers because he went through so much adversity and stayed on this team. All he – to have that game winning, that game ceiling touchdown off that Russell Wilson fumble, you don't get much more of an outsider than somebody who got to play after being a healthy and active for two weeks. Yeah, that was a, that was a cool moment to see the just the Jets winning another game, especially in Denver. Obviously, there's the whole Nathaniel Hackett, Sean Payton 
kind of back and forth. Love to see it. Love to see it. The downfall of Denver. Love to see it. <laughs> Let's look ahead to week six, though. Uh, the games we're excited for, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Green Bay Packers, the only two teams on a bye this upcoming week. And, again, I got to make it three out of five segments here. I got to talk about the Colts because they're going <laughs> into Jacksonville early season division lead on the line. Jacksonville beat us week one, and they just had two good wins over in London these past two weeks. Indianapolis banged up, have not won in Jacksonville in like a decade, and we're going in with Gardner Minshew, former Jaguars quarterback prior to Trevor Lawrence. So both these teams at three and two. Meanwhile, Tennessee and Houston sitting down at two and three. So whoever wins this propels up to four and two and looks to be in good position for the next good stretch of the season down in that AFC South Colts in Jacksonville. I'll be holding my breath while I'm at work, but I'll be excited. Which games are you guys excited for this week? Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it should be an exciting game. Now the game I'm looking forward to the most, it's the Detroit lions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a couple of one loss teams. I'm excited to see them go head to head. I think Tampa Bay, under uh, with Baker Mayfield under center has been exciting to watch. He's utilizing the offense. He's utilizing the talent and he's getting more comfortable. And who knows, he may be able to save Todd Bowles job. For me, I'm going with the two and three chargers at the three and two Cowboys Monday night football chargers, a team that started off slow, knocked off two wins in a row after that Vikings win. Somebody that a team that they need, they need to win. They need quality wins. A loss here really sets them back for the rest of the season because that two and four hole, two more wins to just get to 500, it's going to be tough to claw out of. And Dallas is, Dallas is no team that's being talked about as not being able to beat a quality opponent. They're not able to beat the quality teams, Dallas. At least that's what it appears. Now, beating the Chargers, especially now that they're on the upswing, would go a long way to dispelling that notion and gets Dallas a quality win against a playoff team. Yeah, should be an exciting one Monday night football next week. And is it me or Monday night and Thursday night have been much better than Sunday night this far this season? But well, I, I texted in the chat earlier today. Sunday night football is the new Thursday night. I mean, what? You got two Giants games in the first six weeks? <laughs> that sucks. I mean, the Jets Chiefs ended up being a good entertaining game. But outside of that, has there been a good Sunday night game so far? Let's see. Go week by week. Was the Dallas game? Dallas Giants. And then what was week two? Two Sunday night football was. Was that the Packers Falcons game? Look, the Packers were on Sunday night. No. Brown Steelers. Brown Steelers. Oh, no. Was that? That was Monday night. That was when when Nick Chubb. No, no. Dolphins Patriots. Dolphins, Patriots, blowout. And then you had week three. Was that – that was uh, – because Jets, Chiefs was week four, right? Jets, Chiefs was week four. So who was, week, week three, three was another garbage game, I think. Uh, let's see. It hasn't been good for Chris Collinsworth and uh, Mike Tirico, unfortunately. I think that no, I my feel favorite commentator them. group, my favorite duo, they're getting all the bad games now this year. These up yeah, it's – it's it's been tough for them. I definitely feel for them. It uh <laughs> honestly, like they should just pick those games the week of. Too much like, logistics to go with that. I, I get that. I, I really do. 
It's yeah. just, it's and honestly. It's still, we still would have went with Dallas, San Francisco this week. It's just sometimes the way things play out. Was it Steelers, Raiders? It was. Yes, it was. was. Yep. That ended up being a solid game, but I, I don't know about you guys. That one felt boring. I forgot that even happened on primetime, so. Yeah, boring. That's the Raiders effect, but. All right, before we wrap up and close for this week, a couple of reminders. Again, follow us on Spotify, on YouTube, on Twitter, at Outsidersports3. Get all those latest notifications for when our content's releasing. And the NHL regular season kicks off. That's happening now as we're recording this. Ben was watching it in the pre-show. So go f- check out the Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast as they dive into the season. And the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast with Corey Jason here and the rest of those guys. The MLB playoffs in full swing. That's coming to an end. What round are, are they in? Are they still? The uh, Division Series rounds. Division Series. Okay, so yeah. I mean, that's... it's. I've When does the NBA start? I said about that. November? Equinox. It's like November. Okay. So yeah, late October, early November. We're getting close, so... Stick with us here at Outsider Sports. We're going to get all that coverage for all these sports going. Join us next week on the Outsider Sports Football Podcast as we continue talking about the latest happenings in the NFL. We're excited. We're hitting that hot part of the season now. Like I said, everything's falling into place, so you're not going to want to miss what's going on here. Thanks for listening.